77 years ago, American heroes and their allies were busy liberating camps full of good people betrayed by their governments. 12 million had already died, men, women, and yes, millions of children. Their crime being different. Different religions, different political beliefs, different sexual preferences, and those deemed by the satanic demons to be a drain on society, the handicapped and disabled. For decades, people in this country were taught the true history of this evil and the evils of fascism, communism, and socialism. These are the government models that lead to mass death. Fewer of our youth today are even taught about these terrible crimes against humanity. Incredibly, some of the same Americans who could not understand how the German people could have allowed such barbaric genocide to occur are setting the stage for it to happen here in America. They say that their fellow citizens who have different political beliefs, different beliefs about their medical privacy, religious beliefs that preclude them from taking an experimental bioweapon, and those who simply believe they have the right to determine what goes into their bodies should be physically removed from their homes and put in the camps. They demand that these people either be forced to get this experimental bioweapon that is known to kill and maim or be put away. They have absolutely no right to demand any such actions. Are you going to continue to be silent? When will you decide to speak out against tyranny in our own backyard? As children, we all wanted to be a hero. We wanted to believe that our country was one of virtue and courage. We called America the home of the brave. But who are the brave exactly? Are the brave limited to those who serve in our military? Or maybe emergency services? Yes, they're certainly brave, but the truth is that what the home of the brave is referring to is all Americans, all Americans who identify, call out, and yes, speak out against tyranny. Our founding fathers specifically stated that the purpose of the First and Second Amendments are there for us to control our government and put down tyrants. Are you too self-absorbed and too busy being so selfish as to take the freedoms that God gives us away from your children and grandchildren? Is the legacy of freedom not worth fighting for? Wake up, rise up, peacefully demand that those who serve us, whether they are elected or some power-drunk bureaucrat, abide by our nation's laws, respect our individual liberty and rights, or demand that they are tried for treason, genocide, and crimes against humanity. Nobody's asking you to be that cape-wearing superhero. Just be an American patriot. It's not our job, it's our duty. Patriots, welcome to episode 54, a special episode. We are going to talk about heroes today, and I have just that in store for you. I have an interview that I did with Michelle Black earlier in the week, and I'm really excited to have, have spoken with her and 
want to share her book, Sacrifice, with you. Uh, Michelle certainly fits the bill as a hero, even though she's really too modest to say that or understand that, I, I believe. But you will definitely be inspired by her story, and it's an important story to tell. Uh, we'll get to that in just a few minutes. First, I would like to talk to you about our TPR contributor, the Patriot Review contributor, uh, Robert Firth, who has uh, a book that he is going to talk with me about uh, probably next week. And he also sent me this. So if you're somewhere near Sarasota, uh, Florida, you can uh, you can meet Robert. You can check out his books. You can learn more about him. He's very straightforward. He tells you exactly what's on his mind, which is great. He does a lot of blogs for the Patriot Review, so you can kind of see his writing. And his books are offered for sale here as well. So check that out. Now, this episode is brought to you by Wicked Witch Whiskey. Yes, that's it. It's the picture on the bottle is who you think it is. It's Nancy's breakfast bottle. You'll have to drink it to find out what's in it. Uh, okay, so that's not really serious. Just something I threw together. But how you can support the Patriot Review is you can go to our website at redbloodedpatriots.com. You can choose a membership level. You'll notice that the first membership level guest member is zero free. So there you go. You can also support the show. That'd be greatly appreciated if you would do that. There's two different levels, five and ten bucks. Not too much a month to to help a guy out and and uh, support me in continuing this. I got uh, a lot of really good contributors on board now. I'd love to have somebody help me out with uh, the marketing piece. That would be great if you do uh, want to do that. You can email me at redbloodedpatriots at protonmail.com and we can start a discussion. That'd be awesome. Uh, so I wanted to talk to you too about a few things. You can support me by going to uh, mypillow.com or uh, my store. And Mike Lindell's got a lot of different things going on. But use the code TPR and you'll get up to 66% off. And I tell you what, I really have a lot of products and I can't say enough about them. They're awesome products. This is uh, this sale, the towel sale is coming to an end soon. Six piece towel set, normally $109.99 now for $29.99. I have uh, these towels in my house, I have the gray ones. They are awesome. And they have an oversized bath towel that's that's awesome as well. So check that out. And you can support the show that way. Um, I want to talk about a few things in the news. And the first one is that now, you know, we have it validated that someone did open the door from the inside on January 6th. If you saw President Trump speak last night at the rally in Texas, uh, you know that he mentioned that he would pardon those political prisoners. That's what they are. Um, that the the fascist left is holding and you notice my open open there it was talking about obviously the holocaust and a lot of people in the united states just don't make the connection that there really are people that want to do exactly that to those of us who are freedom-loving americans you see the lists you see the camps in washington state you see the new york state wanted to do the camps as well not sure where they are in that journey, but uh, you see the Biden administration making lists of those who try to get a religious exemption from the poison jab. And, you know, so this stuff is very real. And this uh, January 6th, if you watch my show before, you know that uh, the 
the whole thing was staged. I had Nina May on. Um, the thing was planned. We know that. Uh, if you don't know that, you haven't been paying attention, please check it out. There's all kinds of stuff out there for you to, to see. Um, we had a, a documentary we did called Freedom Waning. Uh, the war has already begun. We dedicated that in part to Ashley Babbitt, who tragically was killed on that day. And there's been no justice for her. As a matter of fact, if anything, there's been a, a complete travesty of justice for anybody that was there on January 6th. The media being complicit and all the complicit in all the lies, um, you know. And as we go forward, we're going to find out more and more about this. Uh, in the meantime, we have people like Lindsey Graham who. If you have been paying attention for the last year, you know that he's passed through a bunch of very liberal activist judges. Uh, Lindsey Graham has never been uh, a true Republican. He's always been a rhino. He's one that needs to go. We need America first candidates only. Uh, he, uh, he thinks it's a bad idea for Trump to pardon those patriots. You know, look, if they are on video and they did something wrong, um, by all means, you know, find them, uh, prosecute them. But we all know that there are people who were even outside the Capitol, who never entered the Capitol, that were arrested and subject to really uh, abuse by their government, and that's ongoing. Um, you know, maybe there'll be a march. Love to see a march right to the jail and let them know what we think of that, just like the brave people in Canada are doing right now with the freedom truckers and you got Trudeau who's in hiding uh, that tells you all you need to know he knows he's wrong he knows that what he's doing is despotic and the people of Canada are finally not going to take it and they're peacefully demonstrating which is of course what we always want to do um, in this country though what we really need to focus on is this gentleman right here for the violations of the Nuremberg Code the uh, self-enrichment -enrich through his patents. Uh, this man has gotten literally rich off of death. And this man is responsible for what really you could call nothing but a genocide. He knows that there are treatments available that take care of COVID. And yet we have the CDC and others uh, insisting that those medications not be given out, blocking those medications from being given out as people die. We have hospitals who will not even allow the right to try, which many states have a law uh, for patients and their families, and they're brokenhearted because they're, a lot of the loved ones that they've had have died. As a matter of fact, if you watch the testimony uh, that Ron Johnson, he held a hearing, um, several great doctors were there talking about this whole situation. One of them said that there would be about 500,000 people still alive today out of the 850,000 that died in this country. And this gentleman right here, in my opinion, my humble opinion, is responsible for those. Also in the news this week, not really an important story, but one that I just want to share. You know, you have Neil Young, who obviously doesn't know what freedom is talking about pulling all of his music from Spotify. If you know, you don't censor Joe Rogan. So to you, Neil, I say Leonard Skinner had it right. Southern man don't need you around anyhow, and neither does a Northern Yankee. So good riddance. 
All right, so now the feature, um, what I want to do is I'll go to this interview in just a second. First, I want to remind you that you can get a black flag like the one behind me that um, you can proudly display. That basically means that we are fighting back, taking no prisoners, and we're going to peacefully and legally take our country back. Uh, you can just email black flag in the subject line, email that to redbloodedpatriots at protonmail.com, and I'll draw for that flag in the future. I have one that I've uh, given out uh, to date, and I'd love to give out some more. So that would be awesome. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go to the video now with Michelle Black. Uh, I know you're going to enjoy it. I'll have one commercial break in, in the middle, and then we'll finish it off. So here we go. I'm very happy to have with me Michelle Black, a Gold Star Widow and author of Sacrifice, a Gold Star Widow's Fight for the Truth, I have just a little excerpt. I actually pulled this right from the website, and we'll share that website with you as we go along here. Uh, the introduction, though, that I'd like to share, as I said, comes from the website. It says, do you remember the 2017 Niger ambush? Now, probably a lot of people don't unless they follow the news regularly and they're kind of news junkies because there is so much going on in the world, especially today, that I think we lose... Uh, memory of exactly all these things that have happened in the past, but on October 4th, 2017, armed militants from the Islamic State in the Greater Sahara attacked Nigerian and U.S. soldiers outside of the village of Tango Tango. You may remember that there were four uh, U.S. soldiers, four Green Berets that were killed in that, and uh, Staff Sergeant Brian Seablack, uh, the husband of Michelle, was one of those four uh, Michelle, I am so honored to have you on my show, and I tell you, <clears throat> my my show is called The Patriot Review, and to me, a patriot is anybody that embodies the original intent of the American idea, and uh, I, I certainly think that you more than fit that definition. So again, it's an honor to have you on, on board. Thank you so much for having me. You're very, very welcome. Um, first of all, I know... There's really no such thing as closure. So <clears throat> I want to offer my condolences to you and your family and your boys uh, for your loss. And I know that, you know, like I said, there's there's no such thing as closure and that loss is felt, I'm sure, um, every day in one way or another. So um, now there's a, there's a history of the government of the United States regardless of the administration that it, that's in, um, they seem to like to tell half-truths or maybe not the truth at all because they want to save the, uh, the butts of certain people, perhaps, and uh, they're concerned about uh, optics and those sorts of things. So your book is a courageous book, and it you really go after finding the truth in a, a very determined and, and uh, I won't say aggressive, but I, but I guess it's, it's kind of that spirit to me. And going through the book, the book is really excellently written. I don't know if you have a lot of writing experience in the past or, or what, but it's really well done. Um, you. You, you put me, it was almost as if I was there, and I have some favorite parts about the book. All I can say is I encourage every one of you that watch this to go buy it. You won't regret it. It's an amazing story. To me, it's a, 
it's one of the best love stories I've seen uh, in red. It's it's amazing, and I love your your relationship and how you described uh, Brian and and how that all happened. And I want to I want you to share just a little bit about that first. I think it's important that people know you as as people to understand really what the the impact of this book is and your experience has been. So could you talk a little bit about that and uh, you know how you met Brian, uh, what what Brian's character was like and you know what really made you fall in love with this guy? Yeah um, you know we uh, after college I had just finished an environmental horticulture degree and Brian had just finished getting a business degree. And um, so we had both moved to a ski town. I had been there for a year already when Brian showed up at, at our church. And um, he just was this kind of misfit in the, in the ski crowd. You know, everybody back then, it was saggy pants and fur lined jackets. And almost everybody was a snowboarder, but even the skiers had that same look. But there was Brian, you know, in his, you know, crew neck sweater and his tight fitting jeans. And he looked like, you know, he had just stepped off a wrestling mat. His neck was just <laughs> huge. He looked like a big meathead. And, um, so I thought, I, I've got to say hi to this guy. And, you know, he barely talks. So I think he answers me with a couple sentences. I mean, no, maybe a couple words knowing him. And so it just, it was intriguing, but I didn't think much about it until more time went by and he would show up to my house and I'd get little snippets of who he was. Um, he'd be hanging out with his friends over at my house. And uh, the next thing I know, I'm finding out that he was, you know, second in the nation as a kid for chess. He'd won some chess championship or oh. gotten second um, and that he was brilliant. Um, in fact, one thing I don't mention in the book is we would spend hours playing Chinese checkers until finally he figured out my pattern and could beat me. Um, we were both very competitive. And then we started backpacking and hiking together and spent a whole summer doing that. And uh, just seeing his tenacity, because I told him for months that I, you know, I don't hike, I'm not, or I don't hike, I don't date and not really interested. And uh, he pretty much just told me I was his girlfriend. <laughs> so there was a whole argument over it at one point. And finally, it was just like, okay, that part of it I is will in the date book. you. <laughs> yeah, that part of it is in the book. I I, I had to laugh a couple times. Can I can I ask you real quick to to move your camera so you're more centered right now? It have to be moved towards your left and then up a little bit, if you don't mind. Okay. There you go. That's better. Thank you. Okay. Um. Yeah. So that part that part you definitely put in the book. And and one of the things that I literally laughed out loud about was this dynamic between you two, where you would take. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm a, I'm a, you know, I'm all about dad humor. So I have a very dry sense of humor, and, uh, but it made me laugh out loud when you would, you would exchange the, oh, did I ever tell you I like you? Uh, you know, just at key, at key moments, I found that really uh, endearing and, and humorous, and I thought, uh, well, you know, I can relate to that kind of dry humor. So that's yeah. Why we Neither of us were very sappy people, so it wasn't all this, I love you, I'm in love with you. It was just like, obviously, we're married. 
we like each other a lot, you know? <laughs> yeah, right? That's awesome. So, you know, so this this um, this relationship now, it, you described going into it gradually, and he told you that you were basically his girlfriend, and it, and it was after that. It still took some time, right? And you ended up describing just that you kind of suddenly realized that, um, you know, I'm choosing to spend pretty much all my time with this guy. And so was that the thing that, that realization, was that the point in time you knew that he was right and you're falling in love with him? Or when did that happen exactly? Yeah, because I think it was, you know, we talk about falling in love in terms of emotion. And I mm -hmm. think that's very real in a lot of relationships. But Brian and I just weren't very emotional people in general. Mm -hmm. um, and so it was more realizing that we were, we'd become best friends and that we, you know, thoroughly enjoyed each other's company more than anybody else. And it just, he was exactly what I was looking for, you know, exactly what I never knew I always wanted kind of a thing. And I think the, you know, vice versa. So um, that's just kind of how it played out is at one point I realized you know, I, I can't keep playing this game. I either choose him or I don't. And so for you, it was you realized that it was time to either risk or uh, take the risk, take the plunge or just, just take a step back. Yeah, it would be risk losing him or, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So tell us about Brian and what mattered to him. What? What did you learn about what, what really mattered to him at the deeper levels? And what also, what was a typical day like with him, if there was such a thing? Well, it's funny. That once we were married, is that what you mean? Um, yeah. Or just, yeah. yeah. The only thing that really seemed to matter to him once we were married was me and the kids. Um, but Brian was high energy. So... A typical day with Brian was busy and I hardly saw him <laughs> if we were together if he was actually home and not working then we were busy doing other things so uh, but Brian would be up at the crack of dawn probably in his office studying a language or playing chess online um, or he'd be out in his um, shed he had written up all these schematics. He wanted to build all these tables. He was learning to, you know, woodwork. So he had all these woodworking books and he had slowly been accumulating all of those or he would be smoking something. Um, every day was different with Brian, but very busy. Um, if he wasn't busy, then I, you know, I would be concerned, like, are you doing okay emotionally? Maybe we should get out and go on a run through the, you know, mountains mm -hmm. or because that's just how he was he needed to be moving if he was in a good headspace he was moving doing stuff gotcha. um, yeah or he'd be roasting coffee he, he had a million things he did all the time so he was the jack of all trades type of guy and he would uh, pursue his interests it sounds like pretty um you know uh, with determination is that fair oh yeah um like behind me in in this bookshelf is everything you can imagine from languages to medicine to carpentry to 
um, you know, cookbooks. He would learn how to cook Indian and smoke foods. And it's just, he would just read. He'd get on a, a bent of something. In fact, our favorite date night was going to a used bookstore. And we'd both go find our favorite section. Mine was usually nonfiction. His was anywhere from war history to whatever he was into at the moment. And he would just read these books cover to cover and then actually put them into action. It was pretty remarkable. Wow. So what what did he express to you that you brought to him? I don't think many people ask you that question. Uh, um, you know, a lot of things. I probably dumbed him, you know, dumbed down the situation a little because he was so smart. <laughs> so I got him a good, uh, That's probably. good place for humor. <laughs> no, but um, no, what he expressed to me was really that um, especially with the job he was in was that you know, um, I brought a stability into the household that he could trust. And I think that really was what he saw in me initially was um, I'm very, I'm very family oriented um, and I am extremely loyal and stable. So um, he knew he could trust me no matter what. Um, so that was one of the huge things that he liked. Um, and, well, you big, know, he always just told me I'm nice. So I guess being, being well, I, nice is, you know, is I a can, good thing. I can second that. I mean, I, I, you know, I really I really can tell that. And even before you said the word stability, I had it in my mind. I think that, you know, that's one of the things that's one of the things that good men look for is, you know, uh, loyalty and faithfulness and and stability and knowing that you have a partner that has your back and. To me, that kind of sounds like what you're describing. And then once you, I've got three daughters, and you know, at once you start having kids, well, then you, then trust really becomes even more important because of the the, the kids involved in the whole situation and relationship. And so that's um, that's for for sure a big deal. And you describe your two boys, um, Ezekiel and Isaac. You have, uh, Ezekiel has uh, a certain degree of, of autism and you describe going through the process of um, getting that diagnosis. And, and once again, your determination and grit to not just accept what you're told, I think that's, the, that's a great part to have in the book because it's kind of like a foreshadowing of what's going to come in the future. Um, so looking back on that process, uh, do you have other examples in your life where you've had to, you, you've had to call on that, that grittiness and that determination all throughout your life? Or how do you think that developed within you? Um, I would say, you know, fortunately I was raised with parents who were very hard workers. Um, and we lived out on 20 acres, so from a young age, it was, you know, we had kids. My parents would say we had kids because we needed free labor. <laughs> <laughs> so um, there, there was that grittiness, you know, where if we needed, you know, I remember one time there was a um, 
a local uh, vineyard being planted and and it was kind of one of those you know you all dig your own holes and plant your own trees but it was like a hundred degrees out and there were a lot of it was more of like a charity event uh-huh. and a lot of the people with the heat couldn't do the digging and so me and my dad and my sister got out there and dug I don't even know how many holes and planted the vineyard wow. for everyone else because we just were were raised on hard work so it you know whether it was digging holes or putting in fence or mm-hmm. you know there was that um and then when i was 18 um i went to my first day of college classes and had a seizure mm-hmm. and developed epilepsy at that mm-hmm. age so i had to make the decision to walk back into classes and learn how to um deal with living with that and not not see myself as a victim um and instead just say you know like basically until it kills me i'm not a victim of anything you know people talk about the midwest work ethic and uh, you know we chuckled when you said your parents said they wanted free labor but that is the history of america you know and especially on the farms you know you have kids because you need someone to milk the cows or or whatever right um so yeah. so you have that work ethic and you you just said something that i really latched onto, which is you know uh not being the victim right um i think in today's society we see the the everybody gets a trophy mentality and we're we're starting to see the the problems with that that type of society um with the troubles we've seen in recent years, but I don't want to go down that rabbit hole, but that's just what it made me think of. And um, so Brian, then in the, in the book, you talk about how you realized that he was struggling to be happy and that you, you know, you realize, Hey, he has to, he has to just go and do what's going to make him happy. So tell us about how that led to, becoming a green beret so as i said brian always had to be busy if he wasn't busy he wasn't happy and he had always as a kid wanted to be a green beret a navy seal something like that Mm -hmm. and so when um he had been working online playing poker for a living and just being home and once we had the kids and the market fell it was 2008 Mm -hmm. and there was the recession so kind of all these things culminated into him just going, I can't, I can't do this anymore. And I said, he'd asked, you know, could, what about joining the military? And knowing that he, it was always a desire of his that he do that, I just thought, you know what, absolutely. Having, having a child on the spectrum, having this whole, you know, recession and everything, like this is really ideal. He can go out. He can go after everything he's always wanted. And in truth, if I, if Brian's happy, everybody else is gonna be happy because when he comes home, he's gonna be happy. And so he joined the military and you know went to basic and all of that. We went out to Colorado and within a year um, of his first duty station, he went, I wanna go to SFAS, Special Forces Selection. And honestly, at that point, when you're, a young family and the kids are little whoever's spending the most time taking care of the kids is so busy it's not going to make a difference if he's out doing sfas 
or he's coming home at night at six at night just to sleep and get up super early and leave. Yeah. So I thought it's not like he's doing any more for me being here. So he might as well go and do what makes him happy and and challenge himself the way he's always wanted to and, and, and you know, see if that works out for him. Very, very selfless. But you're, you seem like you're a very logical person or you you think things through and it's not so much emotional emotionally based and i think a lot of people are emotionally based and then they start uh, maybe acting in ways that don't help the situation because of that but you seem like you're very um you you thought this out and it's very giving of of you as a spouse and partner to be able to look for that happiness realizing that and uh uh, Ayn uh, Rand, who you know is a is an author and the 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 whole uh, uh, I don't know if you'd call her libertarian, but she talked about that where you know selflessness is really in, in the end you get rewarded for it. So would you would you say that that was true for you? Did that really change things for the better at that point in time? Um. Yeah, I mean, I think Brian, it, it made him so happy to actually be able to go out and do those things. And while I guess, you know, I never really thought of it as being selfless. It's just the way our relationship worked. We were both free in our relationship as far as, you know, we were both, I always say we were both two individuals who came together um, as often as we could because we wanted to be together. But we didn't need each other. We wanted each other. And that's gotcha. a much bigger compliment. And so I was free to do what I want. He was free to do what he wanted. But we always were doing what was most beneficial for each other. And that's why it worked so well. That's awesome. And I think a lot of people, especially when they have kids, they lose their individuality. And it becomes all, yeah. it becomes something that they end up missing eventually, you know, even even though their intentions are good. So Okay, so so now Brian is a Green Beret, and um, he had gone on previous missions, right? Mm -hmm. And and you described that when he went uh, back to Africa, you really didn't think much about it in the sense of you weren't all worried about it because your experience has been that he had been okay. So. Um, you talk about you know not having much contact between the two of you in those times. How frequent were you able to talk with him, and how open was he with sharing what was really going on? You know, he wasn't very open. Um, I do know the general mission set over there, and because they were doing by, with, and through missions, they were mainly training. I'm sure they saw some because it was growing some militant activity in the region, which is really why they were there training. They're trying to train their partner forces to know how to deal properly with the militants that were and the threat that was growing. So I'm sure, you know, there's a lot I didn't hear that was going on as far as threats when they were out um, on missions. Sure. Um, as far as how often we talked, not often. Um, like I said, the first year he was in Niger, it was a month before I even heard from him when he first got in country. Um, and then I only heard from him maybe once a month, maybe twice. 
um, and those weren't long conversations. Um, and same with once he got into country at uh, 2017, I heard from him um, pretty quick, I think a week or two after he landed. But again, I think I maybe talked to him a total of three or four times before he was killed. That's not often at all. So I don't want to go into too much detail about what actually happened. I, I again, I encourage people to get the book. Um, but one thing that I'd like to do first, let me show this quick. Sometimes it disappears if it's not directly in front of me. So this is the book and it's available on Amazon and you have a, a website as well, which I can bring up there. Um, so that is michelleblacksacrifice.com and it's all together, right? It is. Okay, so, so I'd like to read this passage where you talk about after Brian was actually killed and you talk about probably still one of the toughest days that you've had in your life and that is when you take your boys to the park with your father-in-law and um, I want to read this passage because to me this really shows the strength that that you have and I think it is something that people can learn from who maybe go through something similar and I know you know being a gold star family is there's not many gold star families too many but I think it's also helpful for people who lose their children because that has got to be one of the hardest things and just the the way that you dealt with grief and the way that you dealt with um, having to tell your two boys that their father had passed was killed is it shows a lot of courage to me so the passage is this um, this is uh, Actually, this one that I want to read, it, let's talk about the park first. So you were scared to death, I think, when you went to the park and you found you found the words to say, but there was a point where you're looking at um, your father-in-law and he steps in and kind of fills the role as the, as the I guess I'd say, the male role model. Um, could you just describe that a little bit for us? Yeah, so, um, you know, initially he had asked if, if he, um, I think he stated that he would tell the kids what had happened. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, it's just that wasn't his job. It was this kid who had just died. I couldn't imagine letting a, you know, a grandfather tell his grandsons that his son had just died. It just, it wasn't right. That was, it was my job to do. Yeah, you had said, um, you called them over and you said you wanted to speak to them and you said, uh, we have some bad news. And the, they looked at you with confusion and then you said, it's okay to be angry or sad. And that's when you saw the fear click. And that had to be a moment of, of, 
of terror, I would think, that you you knew what was coming next. And um, well, I'm not going to read. There's quite a bit to it, but I'm not going to read it. I want people to 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 get the book, like I said. But you go through, you know, apologizing for what had happened, and you go through allowing them to grieve in their own way, which I found to be courageous and again selfless because. I mean, you're going, you're going through all this stuff too, and yet you're you know allowing them to to go off or to be by themselves for a while or do what they needed to do. And then you go on to uh, another passage, and this is the passage uh, that I it's not as long, and I will read this short. Yeah, that's a great example of getting lost in your own head and having a senior moment. Um, I enjoyed that that part of the conversation. We're going to be right back with more with Michelle Black right after this. And I looked and behold a pale horse and his name that sat on him was death and hell followed with him and power was given unto them over the fourth part of the earth to kill with sword and with hunger and with death and with the beasts of the earth. Hey Patriots, you can save up to 66% at MyPillow.com when you use the code TPR. That stands for The Patriot Review. That's TPR or call 800-519-9927. That's 800-519-9927. I use these products myself. I can tell you they are the best quality bar none. So go ahead, use the code TPR and get up to 66% off right now. Coming to you from the land of common sense and American pride. Not a unicorn or rainbow in sight. Welcome back to the Patriot Review with Jeff Wagner. Back and you're at the airport and you're you're standing there and you're looking across the way and you're seeing what uh, I think was a, probably an air, uh, an airport worker who was sitting there and crying and um, how that struck you. And then you talked about what you had, how you had steeled yourself. And you said, I repeated in my head the, the thoughts that had kept me going since the beginning of October. I'm heartbroken, broken, but I am not broken. I will face this with fury and let every ounce of it hit me full force and dare it to break me. I've heard it said that you marry your equal. If that's true, I'm a beast, a, a force to be reckoned with. I will do Brian proud. This is my mantra. I will take deep breaths, hold my children close, and handle things. I will not be another victim of the men who took my husband's life and those of his fellow soldiers. 
these men were left in a desert without a choice. But I have a choice. My children and I will not be further victims of, of this tra tragedy. We will be victors. That is, it's, see what I mean about the book being so well written? That is so powerful. And um, frankly, you know, I don't know if I could be that strong. I really don't. And I, where exactly did you did you pull that from? Is that just all about the mama bear protecting her kids? Is that did that have the most to do with that? Or was it about protecting yourself? Or it was it was all of it. I was it was I wasn't gonna let I wasn't gonna let this destroy me, and I wasn't gonna let the terrorists win. So so at that point in time, do you think that that was a reaction that contained? more anger or more um you know, it was more... the just fierce protectionism of everything okay. of our family unit um yeah i would say more than that more that okay so you know i was amazed by the way first of all that you thought things out so much to the point that when you did take the kids to the park you took them there consciously knowing that you did not want them to have this terrible memory in their own home. And you talked about, you know, that being the, the main reason why you took them away from the home, which again, to me, uh, you know, shows a lot of strength. I mean, I think I would be a babbling uh, mess and to, to be able to, to sit there and think that thing out and, um, uh, do what you did, I think, is pretty amazing. Um, so time has passed now. This is 2017 when this happened. How has your boy's understanding of their father matured with the passing of this time? Um, it's interesting. They definitely understand better um, the whole situation. Uh, Ezekiel, my oldest, um, he, he's interesting. He's a lot like his dad as far as he's, you know, he wants to go in the military. He wants to, you know, do all this same stuff. Um, and he's started working out, doing all the same workouts dad used to do and wears all his clothes and, you know, um, all of that fits in him. He's huge now. Wow. Um, looks just like him and he tells me things like you know some people he, just the other day he said to me you know some people uh would take losing their dad and turn it into a bad thing and live the best of the rest of their lives upset and angry over what happened but i want to use it to be better and and wow. stronger and and this is coming from a kid who again is on the autism spectrum he's still in iep classes and or he still has an iep and, and is in transitional classes but you know every day i mean he's getting straight a's now and he's just and how old is he now he's 15. wow that's pretty wise for a 15 year old yeah and you know and isaac's the same same way different but the same in that he's very self-aware, very emotionally mature. He's always trying to save kids. He brings home kids and, you know, <laughs> wants to pray for them and, and 
it, it's they're just they're both very similar to Brian in different ways and you can see um, despite all the heartache and everything that's gone on that they've matured and it's made them just better people more empathetic um, and it's it's really remarkable sounds like uh, another another topic area for a second book Michelle <laughs> yeah it, it's you know I it always really say does. you don't you know when military men come home and you know me and all my friends used to joke about this before this happened you know they come home and they're frustrated because they've been working in third world countries where kids are so mature and you know they expect their kids to be you know that mature and work harder and they get frustrated easy with their kids but since this happened it's like well I now understand that and I, I understand the cost you know yeah and, uh, yeah, and Americans, we're so used to the first world problems, right? And yeah. in other countries, they don't have that luxury. Um, yeah. So one thing I wanted to do is I wanted to show a couple pictures now. This is a picture of Brian, and this is the type of picture that, you know, I think all Americans would, that's how we would picture Green Beret, right? I mean, that's, uh, that's a picture that says, you know, uh, Americans are, uh, we have an elite military, we have you know, a patriotic sense of duty. Uh, that's a picture that sends that kind of message and most Americans think about. But then there's this picture, which to me is absolutely the way we should think about things. That our men and women in the military are just like us in that they have families, they have people who love them, they have people who uh, are at home waiting for them and I heard you describe how the first Memorial Day hit you and I want you if you would to give our viewers um, the message of what an impact it was to you and, and how we really should think about things on that day in particular yeah you know the first day i remember a friend of mine or not a friend of mine i was at the grocery store and another friend of mine had just lost her husband and the gal at the grocery store said something to the effect of oh you know happy memorial day what are you doing you know are you doing anything fun and it just it sent me you know almost into a, a breakdown because i thought no what of course it's not fun. I'm going to be looking right. at my husband's grave. I'm going to be helping her bury her husband. And then I'm going to be going to a Green Beret bar where his picture hangs next to hundreds of others because that that's Memorial Day. And while I don't expect, you know, everybody to have that same reaction, what I would appreciate is people at least taking two seconds out of their day to recognize what it really means and maybe finding somebody that they remember for just a minute and raise a glass to. I don't care if you party all day. I don't care what you do to celebrate it, but remember the reason. Just like right. we always say, you know, people always say Christmas, you know, Jesus is the reason for the season. Well, there's a reason for Memorial Day. Right. And I wish Americans would, you know. Right. And I wanted you to have the opportunity to say that because uh, it, it's true and when we look back and you start getting into history 
you look back and you hear all well, the greatest generation you know was uh, were the people who who saved well, the world basically from fascism and and uh, uh, I think that the citizens of that generation better understood the sacrifices because the war was such a it was a huge war and um, a lot of deaths and stuff and uh, I think that America has kind of lost that identity I mean, we're not really teaching and doing a good job of teaching history in our schools um, we have people attacking America left and right and I think it's easy just to think of oh well this is another day off this is a you know people are so are even more wrapped up into their lives uh, and I and I think much more focused on themselves with with Facebook and with you know other things like that so America's changed over the course of the decades and I think that that's an that was an important reminder for people so I wanted you to share that now um, <clears throat> what advice do you have for people who are going through losing a spouse uh, how did what types of things did you do with your children over time that you would stress as being critical gosh that's you know that's a hard that's a hard one um, because it's just it's there's so much there's it, so many challenges that come at you and each each family is so different um for me you know with my kids it there was a huge thing of just making them feel safe in their own home and how important that was and not um not rocking the boat because we've had so many radical changes and because it was that year you know we had so many things between you know brian being killed the investigation the videos that were coming out and being in the news because of all that my home had to be made into a safe place for my kids which meant and we'd had so many people in and out of my house so in a military situation it's much different because we had generals and you know caos and people i mean people were always in and out of my house strangers and so when we finally when that finally settled down and we actually left we now live in washington state it was literally just their house is their safe place nobody else comes in and that even went to the point where i wouldn't date anybody or bring anybody into the house that they didn't know period mm -hmm because it just they needed to feel safe for a while um but i can't recommend that to everybody because everybody's right. different right you know so there were things like that but you know more than anything kids are resilient and they'll be okay um if you know you just you have to work through it together and make you know get them talking and get yourself talking and that helps so you mentioned dating very briefly there um, Brian from your description of him and from his actions and what he was able to accomplish uh, I don't know any other way to say it but it'd be it'd be hard to find somebody with that much that much character and that much uh, determination again has that been 
do you find yourself kind of thinking maybe there's nobody else out there like that or how do you deal with that part of it? At this point, I figure I'll just focus on raising my kids and worry about that if it comes to it. And if I if I cross paths with someone, you know, amazing again, that's great. But right now, you know, my focus is just making sure our kids are raised the way he would want them raised in the situation he would want them raised. And so, again, it has to be not about me and what I want. Mm-hmm. Um, it has to be about you know, us as a family unit. Right. So, yeah, and I think, you know, that the saying that, you know, you don't find what you're looking for, I think there's a lot to that too. And and sometimes it just happens and when when maybe it's right, the right time and God lets it happen. But um, so you talked, you had made a very good point about, you know, different families are different, situations are different, the children are different. Are there organizations that you got help from that weren't, you know, related to the government to to help you through the tough times? Um, There's a lot of great organizations out there. Um, So let's see, Green Beret, uh, what is it? Special Operations Warrior Foundation has been phenomenal for me and my family. Um, Even providing the kids with um, uh, what are I just totally drew a blank for school the tutors so um, they got them private tutoring and paid for it which was amazing um, and so I mean that was a huge help and they're always contacting me you know letting me know hey we can do this for your kids as they get older and they're looking into colleges and you know here's some programs to help them kind of set that up but yeah there, there's a lot I just think of them off the top of their head my head because they're they were instantly involved um but there's there are so many um you know Snowball Express the um what is the Gary Sinise Foundation? They're amazing. Um, who else? Um, Taps. Um, Taps is great. And, uh, you know, I, I'm trying, like I said, I'm trying to blank, but there's about a million of them. Yeah, so. well, that's good. I mean, uh, I wanted to just, you know, I want people to know that those resources are out there. So thanks for sharing that. Um, so back to the book. Now, we, you had, uh, talked about General Waldheiser, I think is the, how you pronounce that. Is that correct? Yeah, General Waldhauser. Mm-hmm. So share as much as you'd like to share about the struggle to, to find the truth and how that kind of unfolded over time without giving your book away. Yeah, you know, so when the incident happened, the military basically opened an investigation. But Africa Command, which was commanded by General Waldhauser, instantly shut down the initial investigation, which was started by SOC Africa, and uh, which is Special Operations Command Africa. And General Waldhauser appointed an investigating officer to investigate the incident. So essentially, that means AFRICOM was investigating AFRICOM. And 
by the end of it, which the investigation lasted about seven months, um, there was stuff leaked to the media that destroyed individuals within the team at the lowest levels, including the captain of the team who was out on the ground and was nearly killed. Um, and so after all of this, we finally get briefed and as I begin asking questions and my family begins asking questions of the investigative team, it becomes clear that they are not telling us the full truth. I would later find out that there were some outright lies that we were told during the invest during the brief. Um, and they were very resistant and at times rude when I pushed or made suggestions, etc. And Later, General Waldhauser briefed the media and just completely lambasted the team, saying this team isn't indicative of special operators, um, which is crazy because that's like stating that Green, Green Berets, once they die, you know, are no longer worthy of the Green Beret. Green Berets go through so much training that to say an entire team is not indicative of what they do, it, it's just not possible. So we dealt with all of this and I finally decided I would interview my husband's team, the surviving members. And that's after interviewing the team, I thought I'll at least get, I'll be honest, what I thought, I thought is I'm just going to write a book like any other book where people hear about what happens on the ground and then at least I'll have answers and some peace. Mm -hmm. I didn't think I would find that AFRICOM was lying to me. So I ended up interviewing the entire team, um, not the entire team, but those who survived, mm -hmm. a handful of them and multiple other people. And um, once I did that, I realized that uh, AFRICOM had lied to us and there were lies in the final redacted report. And that's when I realized that by writing this book, I was essentially going up against the US military, specifically AFRICOM and all of the officers involved in this investigation. Well, God bless you for doing it. And, you know, I would say that your actions and getting the truth out there uh, qualify you to be more of a general than the general. You know, I mean, uh, America is, is not supposed to be that way, yet we see example after example, you know, and just a few going back throughout history. Probably the biggest one in our time is uh, Benghazi, and I do think they're comparable because, you know, we have, and I don't, I don't want you to uh, take this as a purely political comment, but we do have Hillary Clinton saying at this point, what, what difference does it make? I mean, probably the most offensive thing that anybody could say about those gentlemen that died because they weren't given the help that had been asked for hundred, literally hundreds of times. And again, you yeah. got this cover up. And then we have the Pat Tillman story where, you know, that was when Bush was in office and we have uh, uh, him getting killed and that being covered up as a friendly fire incident wasn't known right away. The, the family wasn't uh, honest. And you can go all the way back to Abraham Lincoln's assassination, to a, to a gentleman by the name of James William Boyd, who looked exactly like John Wilkes Booth. We have Booth getting killed in the barn. We have the doctor who operated on Booth's neck uh, coming out and saying flat out, this is not John Wilkes Booth. Booth had different hair color. He had different skin tone. 
you know, so you're you're almost then you have the Kennedy assassination. I mean, you're there's conspiracy theories are so easily uh, born because our government has a history of not being honest with us. So I can't, you know, I can't imagine the frustration that you uh, that you felt, but I can definitely congratulate you on your courage and your willingness to put yourself out there because there are those people obviously that you know uh, are gonna be have opposing viewpoints and those sorts of things but um, you know I really I really do think that it was a very courageous thing to do and I thank you for that as an American citizen I think that's important um, so let me ask a question I don't know if you've been asked yet and that is um, now this was ISIS right How, has this event changed your viewpoint or maybe solidified your viewpoint on what Islam is? Um, I would say that not necessarily because it's it's different all over you know just like I think just like any religion it's different wherever you go um, I, you know yeah. So, uh, yeah. Okay, fair enough. What uh, What is next for you? I mean, you, you're on you're on the shows and you're, um, you know, selling the book and stuff. What do you think is the the next chapter, or is there is there a planned next chapter in your life? Um, what I've started. I mean, I. Obviously, I want to write again. I absolutely love it. Um, I just, well, you're very good you know, at it. Well, thank you. Um, I also had a lot of help. Nothing <laughs> <laughs> wrong with um, help. <laughs> yeah, it, it was it was a uh, hardest thing I've ever done for sure. It was a big challenge, but um, I would like to do it again. And um, I'm just you know you have to find the right subject, and so there's that. And, um, you know, I've been doing a lot of events, uh, speaking at different veterans groups and um, things like that, sharing my story and whatnot. So I, I would like to do that, do some more speaking engagements just so that um, I can share with people not just this specific story, but things about as far as even the process of writing it and encourage people to stand up, do what's right. Or it, if you want to get into writing, here's how you do it. You know, I'd like to see more military spouses and widows writing their stories. Um, I think these are, you know, important. And, and military veterans to feel like, you know, freed to write their stories yeah. that they are capable. Um, so I'd like to do that. Um, and, you know, I'm also involved in a few things here. Like I said, on the board at the um, Gold Star Memorial Foundation locally, and um, help out with some projects like that. Well, that's all. That all sounds awesome. I can tell you the book that I would I would read as a second book or a follow-up book would be uh, getting the perspectives of your children uh, on paper and what you all had to go through. To address their needs um, would be very interesting but whatever you decide to do I'm sure it's going to be done 
um, very, very well. You just start, you have that type of personality where it doesn't seem like, it, you know, you're, you're not going to commit to doing something and do it, pardon the expression, half-assed. So, <laughs> so I wish you the, the, the very best. And if you ever want to come back on my show, um, when you do decide what that project is going to be, I would honor the opportunity again. It's a privilege. I think that you're a beautiful person inside and out. You're an inspiring mother and parent, and you are a true patriot, given the definition of patriot that I stated at the top of the hour. Um, so it really has been a joy. And uh, like I said, you're welcome back anytime. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me, Jeff. Absolutely. My pleasure. God bless you. All right. Yes, indeed. It was a pleasure. And I tell you what, now I've been doing this only since uh, February and so almost a year. But the, the single thing that I really like most about doing this is that I meet people like Michelle, uh, Alveda King and so many others that, um, you know, there's there's always plenty of bad news or news to be upset about to share. But one of the blessings that has come out of this for me personally is just meeting these fantastic people. Again, the book, uh, Sacrifice a Gold Star Widow's Fight for the Truth. I really urge you to check it out. It's inspiring. You will get a lot out of it. Uh, so please go ahead and, and uh, find that book, order it, get it, read it, share it. Um, truly an awesome book. And it, as I said, it was a great pleasure. Uh, we're going to take a real quick commercial break, then I have a little treat for you on the other side. Hey Patriots, it's Jeff Wagner. I love MyPillow products. I use them. I can say that they are simply the best quality that you will find anywhere. And you can help us all out, all Patriots, including Mike Lindell, and our mission to restore America by going to MyPillow.com today and using code TPR. That stands for the Patriot Review, so it's easy to remember. TPR. Save up to 66%. You can also order by calling 800-519-9927. Again, that's 800-519-9927. Thank you and God bless. Ignore the thought police and subscribe or follow the Patriot Review. It's your patriotic duty. Just a quick reminder that you can choose a membership, either free or up to 10 bucks a month. You get uh, access to my interviews that are commercial free, full length, interview only. You uh, go ahead and subscribe to that. You won't have to put up with the commercials if you don't want to. Uh, so check that out. Um, one thing that I did want to 
feature today is a new feature called Viewer Rant. Now, like I said, there's plenty to talk about, plenty to rant about, and I welcome your rants. Uh, just send a video to me, and the video should be no longer than five minutes, um, 30 seconds to five minutes, a minute, whatever it takes to get your rant out. Uh, you send it to me at redbloodedpatriots at protonmail.com or a link to where I can download it. Um, try to keep it as clean as possible if you could. But uh, I want to show a rant from a friend of mine, and uh, we're going to be right back after that to close the show. As we see everything going on with, uh, you know, the Biden administration and we see everything going on, um, you know, I could rant about a lot of things. You know, his first hundred days in office where he just erased everything Trump did just because Trump did it. Well, Trump did it to help our economy, help our oil independence, help the people. And uh, he just erased it all, just erased it all. You know, I could go on about that. I could go on about his, his leaving Afghanistan was just a slap in the face. Anybody that's been in the military, arming the Taliban. You know, it, I just can't believe that we did that. And there are people probably getting murdered over there on a daily basis uh, as we speak because of all that. But I could rant about that. But the main thing I want to really say, the main thing I'm really upset about is when I read somewhere the Trump's fraudulent claims that the election was stolen, and or I read Trump's claims debunked the election was stolen, and I see these... George Snuffleupagus or whatever, you know, saying, you know, it's totally fair election, you know. Well, for two weeks after that election, I listened to testimony in these five, six states where just crazy shit went down. Testimony from the poll workers. And I listened to all that testimony and I thought, my God, something needs to be looked into here. You know, this isn't right. And the people in these states all wanted to look at these ballots that came in in the middle of the night. And they wanted to see these ballots that came in this way and came in that way. And, and, and you know, what's going on here? Well, the Democrats hired hundreds and hundreds of high-paid big lawyers to just stop the people from looking at what went on. It's like well, the people have no rights. Wait, we, you know, just Democrat, Republican, whatever you are, cheating isn't allowed. And we have sworn testimony. Let's look into this, you know, and none of it seems like it got looked into, you know, and the Democrats were just fighting it at every corner and they're fighting the American people that wants to see what happened. So every time I see something, when I read my paper from the Associated Press puts in their thing or something that says, and Trump's making claims still about the 2020 election is fraudulent, you know, and that his claims are debunked. No, they're not. Anybody paying attention, you know, we all, if you saw Mike Lindell's presentation on how the computers went along with the census and how the best analysts in the world have looked at, at the data, the best analysts in the world have looked at the data. Other countries have looked at the data and they're laughing at us. So that's what gets me, and I could go on and on and rant and rave and rant and rave that the election was stolen in the first place, and that the people were not allowed to look at the freaking ballots that came in. All the 
fucking ballots that came in. You know, they stopped the people from looking at those ballots. Now, I think they still need to be looked at. Do we still have another year? I think we can look at them. But the evidence is being destroyed, you know. But 81 million legitimate votes? <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me if half of those were made up or fake. It really wouldn't. The way Trump derangement syndrome was infested into society for four years by every news agency, every media outlet, every social communication platform, just pounded in Trump derangement syndrome to the public. No wonder half of the public that aren't informed very well, that listen to the news and try to be informed, are just don't get that they're being deceived, that Trump bad, Trump bad, Trump bad for four years. You know, Facebook should go down for election interference, as far as I'm concerned. All those, I could go on and on. So there's my rant. My biggest rant is the stolen election. And that is on my mind every day since it happened. And it was stolen. Uh, anybody wants to look at the evidence, look at it for yourself. You know, uh, the people weren't, aren't really allowed to look at the evidence, according to the Democrats. So that's what really got me looking towards, uh, you know, which side was, do I want to be on Republican, Democrat, you know, uh, which side is evil, which side is more towards God, you know, and Jesus and the Lord. And I look at what this party stands for. And I look at what that party stands for. And my God, I think anybody that votes for Democrats in this modern, the modern day Democrat, you know, I think that they're misinformed or they're closing their eyes. They're not seeing the reality that this modern day Democrat party, it's evil. They want to take God out of everything, everything. And God is infused into, into our country from the beginning. And yet the Democrats want to get rid of it. So, you know, it, it, it really got me really thinking politically uh, over the last few years that I saw Trump being treated so terribly by the media. And I started realizing, wow, the media is sure is biased. Wow, the, the media is owned by by the Democrat Party. Wow, most of the media in America is owned by the Democrat Party. And I started waking up to all of this. And uh, yeah, so there's my rant. Boy, I could keep going. I'm a ranter and raver. Hope that didn't go over five minutes or so. Well, thanks, Dwayne, for that rant, and I think you're right on. I think that, you know, this show has proven, and for anybody in Washington, D.C., uh, you know, I guess my personal two cents is you need to remember that you are servants. Uh, the American people, here we have an example in Michelle Black where uh, her family and Brian, they give the ultimate sacrifice and they're lied to. And then we have the January 6th lie. We have... You know, all the lies I mentioned as far as like Benghazi and those sorts of things. But guess what, folks? Guess what, politicians? The American people aren't stupid. Uh, we know we know that there is truth that is being hidden. January 6th, for example, we know that there's like 14,000 hours or so videotape that's not been released. We can see the difference in treatment between the officer that murdered Ashley Babbitt and, uh, you know, the difference in... in uh, how the officers who arrested and apprehended a gentleman who had a fentanyl overdose led to the vi violence and riots and destruction that was never that uh, people will never held to account for. Yet we have patriots in prison for their political beliefs. Well, the American people are on to you, and 
it doesn't matter who you silence. Everybody uh, is wise to the game and the expectations and the demands are changing. And I hope that uh, I hope that you are listening and watching and I hope that uh, you understand that you are servants of the people. Last thing I'm going to say and close out, I have these cards that I have available on um, the sh in the shop. And basically, they're just uh, Patriot Review Solution cards. Uh, you can check them out. I wanted to share the Bible verse that's on them because I think that people get very, very frustrated, as you can see with the with the rants and just by watching me, for example. Uh, Isaiah 40, 31 but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. And I think that that in itself uh, captures the American Patriot spirit. Uh, we'll see you again next week, Sunday at 4 p.m. Central Time. Thanks for joining me.